Welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. This is Michael Delaware. I am your host. I have decided to embark on a new format for a type of show on this podcast, and that is what was happening 100 years ago today. And in future episodes, I may test out 150 years ago and so forth, depending on the availability of newspapers of the time. But 100 is a good benchmark. And so... For this Friday, today's episode, and the next two Fridays, wrapping up the end of December, I am going to be showcasing three different communities around southwest Michigan and reading the newspapers from 100 years ago on that date. So today being December 15th, we're going to venture back in time to 100 years ago. And this episode, we're going to take a look at South Haven and read the South Haven Daily Tribune. So come along and join me. So the South Haven Daily Tribune was on a Saturday, December 15th, 1923, and the newspaper was two cents at that time. Starting with the front page, let's take a look at some national news to give it in the context of what was happening around the country. There's an article here by United Press, and it was given to the newspaper by telephone. The headline says, Traitors to be set free, Washington, D.C., December 15th, President Coolidge has commuted the sentences of all wartime political prisoners in federal jails convicted at Chicago, Kansas City, and Sacramento. Commutation of sentences was announced today at the White House. No conditions were attached to the executive clemency, according to the White House statement. Release of the prisoners was decided upon favorably by the commission named by President Coolidge, and Attorney General Doherty. Members of the commission were Newton Baker, former Secretary of War, Bishop Charles Brent of New York, and General John G. Harbord. A formal statement issued at the White House today said the president has commuted the sentences of all remaining wartime prisoners convicted at Chicago, Kansas City, and Sacramento to the terms already served. That was the end of the article, so that would have been prisoners political prisoners in federal jails that were convicted during World War I. So I could imagine that was a collection of deserters or anybody tried by the armed services and convicted. So let's take a look at local news of what was happening in South Haven during this time. Drama Club Picks Play, the South Haven Dramatic Club met Friday evening. Election of officers occupied the first part of the evening. The officers for the ensuing six months are as follows. President Mrs. Ralph Hall, Secretary Miss Alice France, Treasurer Miss Ruth Clark, Stage Manager J.L. Shane, Committee of Mechanics J.G. Stedman and R. Andrews. Three new members, Chester Fields, R.L. Bradley, and Earl Thompson, were welcomed after the remainder of the business was taken care of. A discussion as to the finances of the club took place. It was decided that the easiest and most fitting method of raising money would be the production of a play. The play and cast were decided on, and the first set of the play read through before adjournment. But they don't say what the play was. I wonder what they performed ultimately another local story music study club feast the music study club had another meeting tuesday evening the 11th 
Not one of the usual musical programs, but a real informal get-together evening for better acquaintance and good fellowship among the members. Several new members were welcome into the club. It began with a fine potluck dinner while enjoying the good things the ladies had provided. Mirthful talk was indulged in from table to table. Here's a story from around the region, Fire Rex Garage Peril's Whole Village, Benton Harbor, Michigan, December 15th. A $15,000 fire Friday threatened the village of Coloma, 10 miles north of here. The central garage was burned and seven automobiles destroyed. Plate glass windows in nearby stores were cracked. Another fire was reported. This one was in the South Haven area. Farmhouse is burned today. This afternoon, about 1 o'clock, the country home of H. Bergenstrom, east of town, was burned to the ground. The fire originated in the upper story of the building, which enabled the neighbors to get most of the furniture on the lower floor and the fruit out of the cellar. The house was occupied by Mr. and Mrs. John Lamp. The farm was formerly owned by Mr. and Mrs. Albert Dick of the Princess Cafe. Another notice here in the newspaper, gym schedule, again, January 7th. Because of school events in the auditorium and gymnasium every evening next week, followed by the holiday vacation, the gymnasium will not be open to the groups on the gym schedule until after the holidays. The gym schedule will be resumed with the week of Monday, January 7th. Now, here's an interesting article on the front page of the newspaper. Uh, it's entitled, Fast Fingers Tickled Keys. The result of the 10-minute December Remington test is as follows. Now, before I tell you the results, it probably would help to understand what a Remington test was. The Remington typewriter was introduced in 1920, and it was the portable typewriter. It was first introduced during that year. And so apparently there was a Remington typing test that was held, and it looks like about 10 or 12 people took part in it. The number one winner was Charles Johnson. He typed 578 words with 10 errors at a rate of 48 words per minute. Jenny Lindman was 541 words at 8 errors and 46 words per minute. Lewis Glynn, 551 words, 11 errors, and 44 words rate per minute. And there's a whole list of other names here, but that just gives you an idea of the top three. Uh, I remember typing class in high school, and I had to take it one year because it was required to have something on my schedule. Um, the, the school wouldn't let me hang around, and the other classes were full, so I ended up taking a morning typing class for a semester in high school, and it's probably the most used class that I ever took um, looking back later in life. So I just saw that there, and I thought it was kind of interesting. That that was a important uh, test to make note of and put on the front page of the newspaper. Uh, another article, Hawthorne Club to go to Waterville. Members of the Hawthorne camp and their husbands are invited to spend Monday evening with Mr. and Mrs. Frank Harris at Waterville. Potluck lunch sandwiches have been provided for. Another headline, locals won tight game playing at top speed in near Mid-season form, South Haven High defeated Normal High 12-11 Friday evening in the opening game of basketball season. Dope, which indicated the teams would be closely matched, was 
amply justified by the evenness of the play at all times. Only a single point or two separated the teams at any time, and the deciding counter came hardly a minute before the call of time. Avery, who replaced Squire late in the game, had the honor of making the winning counter. A field basket from, well, out on the floor. Not only was the game very fast in itself, but it was pleasing to local fans in the promise it gave of a strong team to represent the purple and gold on the floor this season. So moving on to page two of the newspaper, we have a lot of different local ads and notices. I'll start with one of the notices here. Program upon public health. The regular meeting of the South Avenue Fortnightly Club was held Thursday afternoon, December 13th at the home of Mrs. Charlotte Potter. The program on public health in charge of Mrs. Marion Strebick follows a story called Dirty Hands by Mrs. Strebick. The Laws Which We Have in Michigan Concerning Public Health by Miss Allison Peterson and Safeguarding the Health of Children by Mrs. Frances Howell. And there was another discussion on diphtheria by Mrs. Strenbeck and delicious refreshments were served by the hostess assisted by Mrs. Adrian Pierce. The meeting adjourned to meet again on December 27th for a children's party at the home of Mrs. Frances Howe. Now let's look at some of the other advertisements on the page. There's a placement ad here for candidate for judge of probate by Charles Thew. I am a candidate for the Republican nomination at the September 9th, 1924 primaries for the office of judge of probate of Allegan County and will appreciate any support given me. Charles Thew. Some of the classified ads... For sale, good apples, greenings, and Baldwin's 50 cents a bushel will deliver in town. K. Wallace, phone number 1702M. For sale, wood by G.H. Merkel. For sale, dry beech, maple, and elm wood. Body wood, $5 per cord delivered. Limb wood, $4.50 per cord delivered. Eugene Wilcox, Bangor. Household goods, hall tree, Two dining room tables and a sideboard. Inquire, 193 Michigan Avenue. Brand new 1924 four-door sedan, fully equipped with extra tire, tire cover, windshield cleaner, mirror spotlight, and heater. LTH Tribune. Here's an interesting one. Sweet Cider, grinding every day. Jesse Sawyer, for sale. 370 Cherry Street. And then there's a section on the lodges and their meeting notices. There's one here for Sons of Veterans to meet at the GAR Hall. There was another for the Modern Woodsman Notice, important regular meeting, Tuesday, December 18th at 7.30 o'clock sharp. Urgent business, potluck supper, bring your potluck and come. And the Ladies Auxiliary of the American Legion will meet Tuesday evening, December 18th at 7.30. This is installation of officers and let's have everyone out Officers, please dress in white. Now let's take a look at some of the other classified ads on this page. Lighten her work for the rest of her life. Give her a Hurley Thor electric washing machine. It will give her time and strength long after this Christmas is forgotten. Nothing could better express your consideration for her. Every fourth electric washer is used is a Hurley Thor. Over 750,000 in America. Come in, see the perfect cleansing action of the Thor revolving, reversing cylinder, and you will realize why it is the best electric washing machine you can give her. Hurley built washers, $95 and up. 
Walter A. Dickerson, electrical contractor. Now, there's a picture of the washer, and it's not like what we're used to seeing today where it's a big box and you put your clothes inside and hit the buttons. This was like a cylinder that was on a stand, and I guess it rotated the clothes around. So there's a lot of different old washers like that that you probably remember in people's homes. But remember, this was 1923. So something like a Hurley washer might be something that would show up at an antique fair today. Here's an ad by the South Haven Bottling Works. A Merry Christmas, just a breath of old times. What is a home without baby, a sweet wife to love, and adore? They're taking our liquor and even our beer. Now the brand we're getting into isn't even near. The good old kind we used to drink. But here is something to make you think. To order a case for the holidays for your home special, $1 of the good old Michigan Fruit Blossom Brands. Shop phone 138 Manufacturing by South Haven Bottling Works. And another ad on this page for Christmas cards by Copper Craft Christmas Cards, a selection of about 30 designs of this popular make of cards. Your name neatly printed in script or Old English style adds materially to its appearance at the Tribune Job Shop in South Haven. Turning the page of the newspaper, this paper is only four pages long, so I'm taking my time on each page. On page three, interesting notation that I'm not used to seeing in the old papers, and that is a weather report. And it says, weather report from the experiment station, Friday at 4 p.m., maximum temperature 40 degrees, minimum temperature 25 degrees, wind in southwest. Coast Guard weather report, fresh to strong southwest winds, Diminishing tonight, shifting to westerly, overcast, followed by fair weather Sunday. And that was the extent that you would get on a Saturday newspaper of what the weather is going to be. And it could have changed overnight based on the reporting. So that's uh, just kind of shows you how weather reporting was done way back in the day and why sometimes you would hear of winter storms that came up suddenly and took everybody by surprise because there wasn't an extensive five-day forecast available, and that sort of thing. All of which that we are used to today, and even today, they're not as accurate as they always uh, seem to say they are, you know. Anyways, uh, other things on this page. Heavy gains at library. This is one of the bigger articles on the page. At the December meeting of the library board, the report of the librarian for November was read, and as the statistics clearly demonstrated the superiority of the open stack system of operating a library, the secretary of the board was instructed to prepare the essential features of the report for the press. During the month of September 1923, when the library was still in the throes of reorganization, the number of books loaned amounted to 1,993 as compared to 1,612 of the corresponding period in 1922. In October of this year, the number loaned climbed to 2,634. In October 1922, there was 1,826 books taken out or on borrower's cards. During the month of November just past, the number of books loans mounted to the unprecedented figures of 3,691 books or 1,208 more than during November a year ago. Other interesting items in the report brought out the facts that there were 36 books donated to the library the past month and that for the same period, 197 new patrons of the library were registered. 
and cash on hand December 1st, 1923 from fines and rentals amounted to $26.65. So that was a report on the Library Board of South Haven. And you can see that even back then, there was a lot of people checking out books from the library. And it was ever-increasing. So very academic and well-read population. And the popularity of libraries has changed over the years. And they have adjusted to checking out a lot of other items than books. But I would wonder how many actual books get checked out of the library today in our local communities compared to maybe audiobooks. And uh, I know the library where I live, they also rent movies and they now have magazines and other things that they didn't maybe have back in 1923. Uh, there's a lot of interesting changes to libraries, how they've adapted to the needs of the community. But very interesting to see those numbers back in 1923. Now, a lot of the newspapers also had their social column, things that we would see today on Facebook about people talking about what they're doing and where people are going. And I'll read you a couple of them here in this newspaper. It says, Minor mention, Mr. and Mrs. James Depew of Manistee were in town this morning en route to Chicago, where they expect to spend Christmas with Mrs. Depew's parents and other relatives. Dr. J. Sorensen, 337 North Shore Drive, left Friday to spend the winter in Detroit. Harry J. Daniels, publisher of American Funeral Director, Grand Rapids, spent the day here making preliminary arrangements for the state convention of funeral directors to be held here June 17th to 20th inclusive. Mrs. Gaines M. Wyckoff of Battle Creek was operated on Monday for diseased tonsils. Dr. N.L. Goodrich operating. Mrs. Wyckoff has been convalescing at home with her uncle and aunt, Reverend and Mrs. N.E. Falk on Broadway. Mrs. Wyckoff expects to return to Battle Creek Sunday. And those were the social notices of the day on Saturday when this newspaper came out. Also on this page were all of the local churches and their service times. I'll just read you the churches that were listed here. Baptist Church, Congregational Church, Methodist Church, West Casco M.E. Church, Church of the Epiphany, St. Basil's Catholic Church, the Evangelical Lutheran Church of Peace, Advent Christian Church, Free Methodist Church, First Church of Christ Scientists, and St. Paul's Evangelical Lutheran Church. Those were the ones listed in the left-hand column on this page. And I'll read you some of the ads on this page. Handmade Linens. Things splendid for gift-giving, including articles hand-drawn, hand-sewn, finished with hand embroidery, scalloping, and hand-drawn edges developed in white and colored trims, luncheon sets, card table covers, dresser spreads, handkerchiefs, intimate things for women, all moderately priced, things not seen elsewhere, the gift shop, Mrs. E.E. E. Main, opposite the post office. Another ad here by the First State Bank. Join our Christmas Savings Club. Start saving now for your Christmas 1924. You can start with a small or large amount. Come in and get further particulars. And it has a drawing of Santa Claus. Just opposite that is an ad that says something new for the ladies. Mandelson, the ladies' tailor, now associated with Louis the tailor at 510 William Street, they are ready to do your remodeling for ladies and men. Latest styles at every reasonable price. Special offer on remodeling fur coats from now until Christmas. Well called and delivered. Phone number 286W. 
And I'll read you one more on this page. High-grade shoe work. Everybody, father, mother, brother, sister, has a pair of old shoes so comfortable they hate to give them up. They don't want to break in a new pair. Why not surprise them by having these comfortable shoes rebuilt for Christmas? We make the old better than new. Positively. South Haven's leading shoe shop opposite the post office. So the back page is primarily ads. There are a few small articles. There's a list of games that were played, and there's some United Press articles uh, listed here. But I'll read you some of the ads. The center was a movie theater, and, and they listed that tonight, Jackie Coogan in Daddy. This is one of the best he ever made. You will enjoy every minute of it. We also have a fine two-reel comedy and Fun from the press. Admission, 20 and 35 cents. Taxes paid. At the OK Theater, there was the playing of Chain Lightning, which was a big double show, and Anne Little. And the other feature is Last Moment with Doris Kenyon. And Neffing Giger Auto Company, which sold Lincoln, Ford, and Fordsons, had some ads for used automobiles, 1922 Ford Touring, A1 condition, $200 to $250. 1921 Ford Tourings, from $150 to $200. And 1910 Ford Tourings, A1 condition, $150. There were also runabouts for $125 to $150. There were some coupes in A1 condition, 1922 and 21 editions, for $275 to $350. And a sedan was listed here. They don't have a price on the sedans, but there were trucks. Choice of four one-ton trucks from $175 and up. Wow. What a change in the economy and the cost of vehicles in over 100 years, you know? I mean, I think... To buy a truck today, you're going to be spending thirty thousand to forty thousand on the low end. You know, something that would have cost the price of a very expensive home way back then. Uh, very interesting changes when you look at these old prices. And there is another dealership by Paul M. Decker that dealt with Chevrolet sales and services, and they had used vehicles listed here in an ad. A Chevrolet Superior 1923 model sedan was $569. Now, those appear to be the new vehicles. Now, he had a Dodge 1917 model Touring for $59. He had a Ford 1920 model Touring for $77. And the lowest one listed here was a 1918 Ford model Touring for $49. The rest of them were a mix of Oldsmobile and the rest were Chevrolets, ranging from about $200 up to about $400. Fascinating to look back at these prices, I just got to say. Here's an ad on this page called News in Wonderland, and it appears to be a bookstore. Half of the ad is missing. It didn't scan in the original, but it says uh, there are books for girls and boys, and also they have furniture, table and chairs, and dishes, and ornaments for the tree. M. Hale Company. So that's another ad there. Another ad here listed says, Shoes Make Good Christmas Gifts by Hales Annex Quality Shoe House. If they don't fit him, he can exchange them after Christmas and get his size. You still have the satisfaction of knowing you presented him with a gift, and it is built with real honest leather and styles that always are in the lead. 
Hale's Annex Quality Shoe House. Store opens every night after December 14th through Christmas. And I'll read you one final ad for everybody's Christmas Zenith Long Distance Radio Phone Receiving Sets. Deferred payment cheerfully arranged. Charles H. Croft Company. Radio service, 469 Center Street, phone number 415. So Zenith was the original trademark for presumably radios before they became a trademark for televisions. And I don't think the Zenith company is still around in the world of television manufacturers anymore. But I remember seeing them way back in, in the day when uh, when they were American manufacturers of television sets. So... So that's interesting to look back at on December 15th, 1923 in South Haven, Michigan in the Daily Tribune. Fascinating look at the life and times of that small community way back when and what was happening and what was going on during that time. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to leave a review on whatever app that you are listening on or a rating, whatever they offer you to do. And if you're listening on Spotify, you can find some questions that I'll post after that you can do a little bit of a survey to see what you thought of the show and this episode and what you found interesting. It always helps me with that kind of a feedback. And if you'd like to reach out to me, you can always find me at michaeldelaware.com. I'm always happy to hear from my listeners. And tomorrow at the Battle Creek Regional History Museum, I will be performing in Tales of Christmas Past. And I will put the link in the show note descriptions where you can get last-minute tickets. You can also contact the museum or just show up at 307 West Jackson Street at either 2 o'clock or 6 o'clock tomorrow and see if you can get a last-minute seat if they're available. We're very close to being sold out on both performances, but there's always a few people that don't show up and there's some last-minute seats available. So I hope that you'll join me and come on down and support the museum and see Dave, Eddie, and the rest of the cast. It's going to be a fun evening, and I'm looking forward to being on stage one more time this year to put on this performance. And it's been one that we've worked on quite a bit. I started working on this last year after the last performance, and I began heavy work on it in August of this year. So it's been several months in the works. It's going to be a very entertaining Christmas program. Once again, that's Tales of Christmas Past, and it's us on stage telling stories of 100 years ago. The cast includes Dave Eddy, Donna Rickman, Bobby Mathis, Brian and Jill McCombs, and myself. And we're just putting this on to really wish you a Merry Christmas and get you into the holiday spirit. So please check your calendar and see if you have time tomorrow. Uh, Love to have you there. And until next time, when we take another journey into yesterday, and we explore even more fascinating tales of Southwest Michigan's past. Thank you for listening. 